Welcome back to another episode of the Swiss Central Podcast. So, um, for today's episode, we're just going to be kind of doing what we did uh, last episode. We're just going to be going over our picks for players of the week. But before that, we're just going to go over our five biggest disappointments and surprises um, from these past two weeks of NBA basketball. So, without further ado, let's just, you know, jump into it. So, um, first we'll talk about our disappointments so far for this season. And um, I guess, you know, we could just say one at a time. It doesn't really matter how we do it, but um, we're just kind of just going to go over from, you know, these past two weeks, which teams we had high expectations for or, you know, people were talking about, you know, for them to, you know, be competing a lot more than what where they are right now. So uh, I'll kind of start things off. So um, for me, the biggest disappointment personally has been the uh, Toronto Raptors because they just look bad right now and even in the when we talked about our standing predictions um I I didn't expect them to be this bad um uh what is it I even though I had them as I think the fifth or sixth seed I still thought that they would be competitive you know early on in the season as well but just the way that they look right now it's it's just not pleasing to watch. And, you know, I think the question comes up, like, do the Raptors kind of really consider now if they should head in a different direction? Like, it might be a little bit too early to call for something like, you know, possibly rebuilding or anything like that. But um, I've seen the conversation kind of starting to float around if whether or not Kyle Lowry should be traded, you know, by the trade deadline or something like that. And yeah, I mean, they're just, they just look bad. You know, Pascal Siakam, his last few games have been really atrocious. And, you know, now people are questioning whether he's a superstar or not, or even a star. So, you know, that's my just biggest disappointment. Yeah, for sure. The the Raptors have been, so far they've been terrible. Uh, the Their only win has gone against the Knicks. And even though the Knicks have been pretty solid this year, it was... During the game where Julius Randle didn't have like a triple double, so so the Knicks weren't that great. But, <laughs> Is, that yeah. the Is that the formula? Julius <laughs> Randle triple double equals win. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure they've probably. I, I'm pretty sure they've always won when he's had the triple double this season. Oh. I'm not. But yeah, what do you call it? Um, the Raptors just man, they they're really missing. Who Marcus Saul and Serge yeah. Ibaka? Yeah, they're yeah. Like I, I knew they were vital pieces, especially to their defense. But I didn't think that it would be this bad to where they're like. They're, I think their defense it isn't horrible, but still pretty bad. But meanwhile, their offense is also yeah. atrocious. Yes. Yeah, Pascal. Pascal has been. The, the only, uh, he's always lost, or they've always lost when he played. The only game where he got, like, suspended for disciplinary acts or whatever was the Knicks, and after they ended up winning. Uh, Kyle Lowry has been solid, but he, he hasn't, he's been, like, just Kyle Lowry. Fred VanVleet, besides yesterday, I feel like he's been so inefficient. Yeah, and, he has. Yeah, Norman Powell fell off the cliff. God damn. Just the whole team is just struggling. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, 
I'll go ahead, Sean. Yeah, okay. So, like, the main problem with the Raptors is their, like, offensive consistency. And, um, you know, we've seen it, like, in the past, but it's, like, right now, it's a lot more glaring. Like, uh, d- a main thing, like, when they won the championship was that they had someone like Kawhi, who is a very consistent offensive player. But now you, you're relying on players like Siakam and uh, Van Vliet, who, like, they're good players, but, I mean, their inconsistencies are, like, very prevalent. And that's showing, like, one day they'll score, like, 114 points or 116, and then the next day they'll score, like, 90. And, like, overall, they, they, it's just very bad consistency from this team. Yeah, I mean, you brought it up, Justin, the big man, the big man absence. Um, I don't, I didn't realize how big of a role the um, the Marcus and the Serge Ibaka's played for the Raptors, and the fact that you're having to rely on Aaron Baines to replicate what Marcus and Serge Ibaka, you know, produced alongside Chris Boucher. Um, you know, no disrespect to Aaron Baines, he, he's the goat, but still, um, the value that he brings is it just doesn't you know equal to what Serge Ibaka and Marcus you know, brought to the Raptors, and I mean, Chris Boucher, he needs to get more minutes, that's the thing, like, it's very inconsistent with what he's doing right now, because, you know, when he gets minutes, you see what he does on the court, and, you know, maybe it's also part of his lack of experience in a sense as well, but um, I just think that if the Raptors are going to commit to making a, you know, stronger push in the playoffs, you know, end up at the top fourth seed, they gotta make a move for a big man, that's like priority number one and um i was watching i forgot which youtuber was talking about it. i it was either kenny or um a funky diabetic i forgot which one i uh, talked about it but they brought up a really good point about fred van vliet how his role this season um like when you saw the the raptors run to the championship right and their success last year fred van vliet is kind of a two guard in a sense where he plays much better kind of off the ball instead of you know for, being forced to facilitate the offense and you know all the pressures on him to you know make something out of the offense but um what they talked about how like fred van vliet is kind of being forced into the kyle lowry role where you know how like you know, Kyle Lowry's at an age where, you know, he's about to, you know, regress. At, you know, it can happen at any point. And, you know, the Raptors kind of want to prepare for the, you know, past that point. And now that they locked up Fred Van Vliet for another three to four years, I mean, you know, it, it seems logical to kind of put Fred Van Vliet in that position where, you know, he has to improve as a player even more. And, you know, they're trying to kind of force him to that Kyle Lowry role. But, I mean, if you just look at the stats... It, it's it doesn't seem like it's working that well right now. Fred Van Vliet is playing really inconsistent. Uh, I mean, he had one game where he had twenty seven points, and then the next game he has nine points on pretty bad shooting. And I just feel like the Raptors are kind of making they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot here if they're trying to force Fred Van Vliet to take on a much bigger and a much more you know different role from than what he's been you know kind of accustomed to because he had a lot of success playing off the ball i think and you know we saw that in the championship run fred van vliet came up really clutch for them and last season as well but you know that's those are just two of the things that i think have been really killing them and you know leading to their disappointing season so far yeah for sure that 
the what do you call it? Fred VanVleet's such a good off-ball player, but like the pers- personnel right now, he's almost forced to be that like yeah. secondary yeah. ball handler. Exactly. I feel like they should. Who's the Who's the rookie that the point guard rookie? Yeah, they should. They should play. Give him some minutes. He He was really solid during the preseason. Yeah, but I mean, I don't understand yeah. why you wouldn't go for that at this point, you know. I feel like everyone is just playing bad right now for the Raptors, and it's like, might as well just take a flyer on, you know, the young guys. And Malachi Flynn proved himself in the preseason, you know, even if it's, even if it's a small sample size. I mean, you know, that secondary ball handler, like you are saying, you know, they kind of need that right now. And, you know, might as well, you know, give guys like him a chance, Matt Thomas as well. Maybe just get, you know, as many options as possible to kind of figure out you know how to fix this offense right now. So, yeah, I also I also want to talk about the you you brought up the point with the uh, Chris Boucher's minutes, right? Yeah, and yeah, in my opinion, I re- or for me, I really want him to get consistent <laughs> high minutes because yeah, but I have him on fancy, but I understand why. What you call it, like it depends on the matchup, right? Because yes. Chris Boucher's he's a center. But he's not that big to where he would get bullied against like Joel Embiid. That's why he only played five minutes against the Sixers, even though. And then like that's why they had Alex Lamb play like twenty something. <laughs> I I still I would still like to see him like maybe run the four when like they're going against a like a bigger team. But I, I don't know. I I just I hope he gets some some more four minutes. That that would be interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. You know he is gonna get outmatched by the you know the the Jokic's maybe the Embiid's the Cats so you know, that makes perfect sense. But I just yeah I mean the production that he had he's had so far though in that you know small amount of minutes is insane. So you know I just wanted to see guys like him get more minutes if possible if it's at the four you know, then whatever works. Shayon, you have anything else? Yeah. Uh, not, not for the Raptors. Uh, I think we should move on to the next <laughs> The team. Raptors hater wants to yeah. move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. Shayon, you can... Um, how about we go to the next team then? Oh, uh, yeah. I think definitely the next team should be the Denver Nuggets. And, um, you know, like their offense is very good. Like, And it always will be when you have um, Jamal Murray, Jokic, and MPJ. And... um. You know, Jokic is playing amazing, but their biggest problem comes defensively. You know, in three of the three of their games, they've allowed over 120 points, and in four of the games, they've allowed over 110. And you know, when your big three is uh, Murray, MPJ, and Jokic, you're gonna have problems defensively. But like, I think right now they're like they're like it's hitting them a lot harder than they expected. Especially since um, what's his name? Jerry and Grant, right? He Jeremy. Played, Jeremy Grant. Jeremy. Yeah. Jeremy, like he left, and he was kind of their um big defensive guy, and uh, I think they will pick it up. But for now, like they they need to change some sort of defensive scheme to where like they're stopping the offensive players because especially uh against Phoenix, even though Phoenix scored a hundred six points, um they allowed. All three of Chris Paul, Booker, and Aiton to all score above twenty, and I don't think you can consistently win games if your defense is that bad. Yeah, I was so high on the Nuggets. I just 
their offense, like when Jokic is on the floor, their offense is like one of the best in the league. Even when Jokic is off the floor, they're not horrible. They're like much worse because Jokic is an amazing player, but they're not horrible. But I feel like they need that wing defender. Yeah. Bad. They like ah Jeremy Grant plays for the Pistons now. <laughs> He's doing good though. He's doing good though. But <laughs> I sort of I sort of wish he stayed on the Nuggets. Would have been perfect. Yeah. But. Yeah, but one thing to say is that a lot of their games have been really close, especially yeah. the first Kings game and that's the Suns game. They were both really they were both uh one possession, right? A one possession game. And then even the second Kings game, I remember it was really close until maybe like the final minute or in a half maybe or a minute and a half when they start like intentionally fouling. That's why the lead went up to like 10, but like, all three of those games were really close. And even the Clippers game, even though it wasn't that close, but, like, there's still a, a small, like, chance of hope during the fourth quarter that the Nuggets could come back. So I feel like even though they've been terrible on defense, they need it. Obviously, they need to get better, but I feel like they also pick it up because they've been close games and they have Timberwolves back-to-back who are, like, the worst team in the NBA right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have that literally on my notes for the Nuggets. No defense. The leap that we expected is kind of halted. Um, I mean, you hit all the points there. Guys like Torrey Craig, Jeremy Grant, they're some of their best defenders, and they don't have that right now. Those wing defenders, those lengthy defenders that can be assigned to the best player and, you know, kind of limit the other team's offense. You know, to just an extent where, you know, obviously they're, they can score more. But um, I I want to go back to how Justin predicted that the Nuggets would be the first seed and that Jokic would win MVP. I mean, Jokic is putting up MVP numbers. And I feel like he you could argue he's like the fr- front runner right now. He's not the front runner. No, no, no. In terms of pure statistics, yeah, that's true. you could say that. Maybe, Jokic maybe. He's almost in the lead, right? But then it's just the other take looks so bad right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I I can't I, blame you though. I, I can't, can't, I can't believe, believe it. My takes have been so bad so far. Nuggets, <laughs> I thought we were going to be first seed. I thought the Raptors were going to be a top three seed or like top four seed in the East. Ah, uh, yeah. They've, I mean, they've I, mean I don't think any, a lot of people saw this coming though. I yeah. mean, even though there were question marks about their defense, uh, a lot of people, you know, we looked at Jamal Murray's play. You look at Jokic, you look at the emergence of MPJ and some of the other guys, you're like, okay, you know, even with that lack of defense, they can still figure out a way to, you know, have a really good offense. But that's just not the case right now. And, um, you know, there's one guy that's always been like, I've always wondered what happened to him. And it's Gary Harris. Yeah. I always wondered what happened to Gary Harris. Like, at one point he was putting up 17 points and then he looked like a pretty good 3 and D kind of player, right? Mm-hmm. That could guard, you know, you know, a lot of wing defenders and, um, you know, to this day, people, I still see people saying like, oh, you know, like Gary Harris, he still is an elite defender, but I'm not really sure about that. And like that offensive side of him is just like, it just feels like it's gone now. So I'm, not, I'm like really wondering what happened to Gary Harris because I feel like he had a lot of promise and like that value he had, you know, two to three years ago would be so much more valuable right now. And where the Nuggets are at right now. So, I don't know. It's just something that I question. But, 
other than him, it's just like the team itself, they just don't have, you know, a proper defensive scheme. And, um, you know, if MPJ is putting up the most defensive stats right now, I don't know <laughs> what to say about the Nuggets. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, I want to just touch something on Gary Harris. Even though his, I agree, right, his defense is not elite, it's still the best or like one of, it's still top two on the Denver Nuggets team, which yeah, is pretty that's, sad. Yeah, that's kind of a problem. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's just like when, like, t- like literally a couple years ago, Gary Harris. Like, I remember, you know, I was like, oh, this guy seems pretty promising. And then he's, you know, he had a bunch of injuries last season, and then maybe the season before that. And then I was like, oh, you know, he still has time to kind of recover from that. But he just looks really bad at this point. Yeah. I, it's kind of sad to see where he's at now. But yeah, it's just sad if he's the top, one of the best defenders on the team. So. Yeah, I mean, Justin, we'll move on to your team. <laughs> uh, one, of your, one of them on your list. Let's move on. Well, I, I guess we have to talk about the Wizards, right? The, the Wizards <laughs> yes. have been terrible. And the, their only win was against the, the Timberwolves, who are the worst team in the NBA without Carl yeah. Anthony Towns. And, yeah, they've been terrible. They're actually in a close game right now against the Nets, but it's only second quarter. Nets are probably going to destroy them in the third and fourth quarter, but they've been terrible. I'm pretty sure we've all had them like seventh or eighth seed, right? And yeah. they've, yeah, they've just, man. And then the two biggest things is their defense, obviously. Last year, they were one of the worst defensive teams. This year, they're still one of the worst defensive teams. But the biggest thing is their coaching. I need oh, Scott yeah, Brooks definitely. to be fired. Yeah, definitely. Like because not only is Scott Brooks like not helping out their defense, but he's also like making their offense just like oh, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, pick and roll, pick, pick and roll ISO. Just uh, and after they they need to use Danny. Uh, add the add the add, add <laughs> <laughs> my brain stopped working for a little bit but yeah they need to use Denny more especially like with the ball in his hands that's where he's the best he's not good or he's he's not great as a spot of three-point shooter if you're gonna get like a spot three-point shooter you should have drafted someone else like maybe like Devin Vassell or even Aaron Naismith but Man, the the Wizards really hurt my mood. Yeah. And also, like, a big thing with them is, like, their clutch time performance. Like, it's really bad. Like, their defense is horrible, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, Like, if you lose two games to the Chicago Bulls, and, um, you know, that's just really sad, especially considering, you know, like, your, your top two players aren't even playing bad at all. Like Westbrook and Beal, they're they're putting up numbers. They're they're not playing bad at all. Westbrook is has been slightly inefficient, but I mean that's what comes with Westbrook. Like you kind of have to accept all of him, and that's part of him. Uh, but like man, like they gave up one thirteen 
130 to the Magic, 120 to the Magic, 115 to the Bulls, and then 133 to the Bulls. Like, you just can't win if you just give up that many points consistently. Yeah. I feel like also they had such an easy schedule, I would say. Like, they had the Magic twice and the Bulls twice. I know the Magic have been, like, outperforming a little bit. But, like, before the season started, if we looked at their schedule, I feel like we should have thought that they, were, they would at least be 3-2 and two in their yeah. first five games, if not better. But they lost all five. And, yeah, it's just, yeah, Sean put it, like, they've had leads in the fourth quarter. And then they've just blown it. Like, against the Sixers, one time against the Magic. I'm pretty sure they also blown one against the Bulls, too. They've, they just need to, man, fire, fire Scott Brooks. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I really have nothing else to add because you guys all covered it. I literally have my notes. Lack of defense and identity, but Westbrook isn't to blame. Um... I mean, the only thing I really have to say is that I still see people clowning on Westbrook for why the Wizards are 1-5 right now. And, you know, he may have his flaws too, like Shion said, the inconsistent shooting, the inefficiency, um, you know, kind of like he's, you know, obviously Westbrook's going to take a lot of those mid-range and you know, jumpers and then his threes aren't going to go in uh, at an efficient rate. But um, I, do, I just don't see why people keep clowning on him. I guess that's just the Westbrook hate that just comes yeah. along with it. But Westbrook is not playing that bad right now. He's not to blame alongside Bradley Bill. Even though they have, you know, you know, every star is going to have, you know, hiccups along a game, right? You're going to have those turnovers. You're going to miss shots. But that's not entirely on him and Bradley Bill to say the least. And, um, I mean, Justin talked about Denny. I don't understand his role right now on the Wizards. He's not being utilized correctly. Um, I mean, let me look up. I remember uh, seeing some stats. I think he only took like three shots in a couple of games. And that's just not acceptable for your top rookie pick. For him to only take three shots and to be limited in a role where he's just kind of standing in a corner and then Westbrook kind of, you know, kicks it out or Bradley Beal kicks it out and like that. That's just not acceptable right now with Denny. He has so much more you know, capabilities. He has more skills than just being a spot-up shooter at the very least, at the very most at that point. I mean, um, I mean, like, other than that, Danny needs to be used more. Westbrook isn't to blame. Scott Brooks is terrible right now with the coaching. And, yeah, I mean, the only bright spot I really see is Thomas Bryant. Yeah. I'm glad that Thomas Bryant is, you know, showing his skills, you know, as a stretch five. He's, you know, getting fed a lot by Westbrook. And I just, I'm glad to see a guy like Thomas Bryant, Bryant being, you know, kind of having a career year right now. He needs like, to learn how to play defense. That's, yeah, that's the thing. You know, everyone on the team needs to learn how to play defense. Yeah. That's, that's how it is. So, I mean, offensively, you know, Thomas Bryant is putting up, you know, career year numbers. So, I'm glad with that, at least. That's like the only bright spot. Um. So, that's the Wizards. Uh, then, I'll go to my the next team um i just want to talk about it because it's my team um they've been pretty disappointing so far um on my notes i just have for the heat inconsistent play sloppy offense with too many turnovers but no need to panic um right now i I, i'm really frustrated watching them play honestly 
Like I, I honestly, I have to cut them some slack because they have you know shortened off season time. But then the haters say like, "Oh, look at the Lakers." But then we're in completely different situations. But um, man, the turnovers are killing the Heat right now. I think yeah. that's the biggest thing with the Heat. I think they could be four and one right now if it weren't for the turnovers. When you watch the Magic that first game, they had twenty two turnovers. Every just watching every turnover was a pain in the butt. Like. They just look like they forgot how to play for a second. Like, just that entire game. Like, oh, I, I'm getting frustrated right now just thinking about it again. But those l- lazy-ass passes that they make, those sloppy dr- ball handlings, you know, oh, it's just so frustrating to watch. And then that Bucks game, that first Bucks, Bucks game, oh, my goodness. I We were clowning on the Clippers, you know, a couple days ago, <laughs> and then they would become the Clippers. I got really embarrassed at that. And then, you know... They gave up the most three pointers in a regular season game to the Bucks. I mean, I, I mean Jimmy was out right yeah. for that game, but I don't think Jimmy can single handedly negate a forty nine point loss like that or forty seven point loss. And I mean, I I texted you guys about it. Um, Bam's turnovers have been kind of frustrating to watch, and I I love Bam so much, but the like. The turnovers that he's committing during these games is really frustrating to watch sometimes when it's just these random dribble moves and then it just bounces off of his legs or something like that. And then, ah, oh, it's, it's just a pain to watch. But, I mean, that's going to come with Bam having even more of an offensive role and his expectations are becoming bigger. Um, and that Dallas game that happened uh, the other day, oof, they only put up 27 points at halftime. Oh my gosh. I was like, dude, this is the Clippers again. They pulled off the Clippers twice. You're scoring less than, um, what is it, like almost 30 points in halftime and then giving up only by almost 50. Oh my goodness. It was just such a pain. General, the Heat, their offense is the problem right now. The defense, I don't really see. I mean, obviously, they're missing Jimmy Butler some games. And um, I feel like the rotation is kind of iffy right now. Kendrick Nunn isn't getting any more minutes, and I'm okay with that. But figuring out what to do with the big man minutes is kind of going to be the biggest question mark. You know, are you going to give Precious Chua that many minutes? Are you going to give his Kelly Olynyk? Is Myers Leonard going to get any minutes? You know, it just comes down to that. And then the offense. I just really hope that they can kind of dial in with the season. And I hope, you know, guys like Udonis and Jimmy kind of, you know, keep them, you know, kind of keep them in check. Because those turnovers... I believe have been the single reason why they've been losing these games when they should be easily, win- not easily, but they should be taking a commanding lead in a lot of these games. So that's my spiel. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if there's really anything to add to that. I guess something is just that they, they've just haven't been shooting the ball that well. Like besides that one Pelicans game, Duncan yeah. Robinson has sort of been str- struggling. Yes. Uh, even uh, the Mavericks game, Jimmy Butler was just over, like terrible. Yeah, he was just yeah. MIA on the offensive side. Yeah, and then I, I'm sure uh, Duncan Robinson will pick up his shooting. So will Jimmy. Uh, for sure, Jimmy. And yeah, I guess something that you said that was interesting was there's big man rotation minutes because I remember at the beginning of the season wasn't 
Myers Leonard starting, and now he's getting no PT. No PT. Yeah, that's. I mean, that was the biggest thing. I was always, I was really curious about that because obviously you're gonna have to, you know, these big men are gonna play alongside Bam, so you're gonna have to try to find, you know, the best, you know, big men possible that can stretch the floor alongside playing good interior defense, but. You know, we have a Mo Harkless. Mo Harkless has been really disappointing, to be honest. Even though he got, he barely got any PT. But that one game where he played, like I think, like over twenty minutes, he did not look good at all. And um, I thought Mo Harkless would kind of replicate what Jay Crowder was, not like to one hundred percent. But I thought that they would find that success with Jay Crowder playing the four, but like with Mo Harkless. But that just hasn't been the case. And I think the best big man right now. That can play alongside him is Kelly Olynyk, and oh my goodness, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not the biggest Kelly Olynyk fan, but um, I mean, if that's what it takes for it to work, then I guess you know, so be it. Because that's how they edged out the Bucks, I think, in that you know their second game, alongside just everyone having a good shooting night that day. Um, Kelly Olynyk played a pretty big role, you know, being that stretch four alongside Bam as well. Um, but, I mean, you know, that big man lineup, it's just going to be really confusing. with Myers Leonard's role, I have no clue. We paid him $20 million for him to just sit on the bench the next, you know, two games. <laughs> but I trust Eric Spolstra. You know, whatever he comes up with, I think it's going to work. But th- that's just the biggest question mark. Yeah, Kelly Olenek takes the most crazy threes I've seen <laughs> the big take. I don't know and where he gets that makes them too, so it's... it's yeah. You should oh see me the God. amount of times I yell at the screen when I see like Myers Leonard just did you guys see that clip of Myers Leonard pulling up from like thirty feet? And I was I I was it was, it was like twenty something feet. I was just like, oh my gosh, what is this guy doing? Cause he's trying to act like he's Duncan Robinson. Like he's literally pulling up near like the logo. Even though I was like, Oh my god, this is just a headache. And the same thing with Kelly Leonard, he just pulls like these random ass fadeaway threes and like or like, you know, yeah, I just even know I don't even know how to say it. It's just so frustrating to watch sometimes. But at least Kelly Linick makes it at a more consistent rate. So, whatever. Shayon, you got anything to add? No, I mean like Miami Heat fans, like he hit every single point, and I do think like I I kind of called it. I mean I don't mean to brag, but I knew that <laughs> you know they weren't gonna do their best in the regular season. They're more of a playoff team, in my opinion. And, um, you know, right now, I just think that their players just need to, like, get back on track, a lot of them. Like, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy, um, Bam, He's he has to start, like, picking up, like you said, his turnovers. And, yeah. Oh, I mean, since we're talking about the Heat, I think the biggest question alongside that big man rotation uh, this has been like a biggest thing i see in the community do you think the heat should just go for james harden now at this point if they want to yeah honestly like if they want like if they want to be considered like like they're a contender but like that's like top two in my opinion getting out of the east at that point yeah i feel like people aren't favoring them you know now in my opinion if they get Harden for like Tyler Hero and like salary and like maybe a few picks, then I feel like they're probably the favorites in the East, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, probably not another team that has like three stars like that. 
I mean, you guys know how I was a little, I, not little, I was pretty, you know, you know, like flustered by the idea. Right? I'm like, no, 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 Harden isn't a good fit. But the more I think about it, and the more, you know, I watched these past couple games, the biggest thing is finding that, you know, that that guy that can just put the ball in the basket yeah. when there's when there's a drought, right? When no when there's no offense going on, there's no points being generated. I think Miami. That's the that's kind of the key too. Finding a guy that can just break that break out of that slump and you know kind of get back into that rhythm. And Harden is that guy. I mean, we all know that Harden is one of the most lethal scores in the league, right? Yeah. But just because of that, I mean, seeing how we're kind of expecting too much from Tyler Hero at this point, and you know, obviously, I have to. You know, it's, it's kind of clear as day now. He's becoming one of the most over overhyped players right now, and. I think as Heat fans, people are expecting too much from him in his second year. So I'm starting to become more warm to the idea of kind of pulling the trigger for Harden. You know, as much as I really like Tyler Hero too, but I just feel like if we really want to push for a championship right now, you got to pull the trigger for Harden. But um, I mean, I could see why it won't happen at this point because the Heat backed off from that chance to you know pull the trigger. And if Houston's asking for too much, like a Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, and maybe up even I heard even a Precious Chua, they were asking for those three. I'm saying hell no to that, but yeah, I w- I would agree that if we if the if there's a right offer for Harden, I just go for it honestly. Uh, while we're talking about Harden, I would like to ask who do you think has the best offer for Harden if they like went in. Onto getting Harden. I mean, if the rumors are true, then Philly. I mean, there's yeah. no denying Philly had the best offer. Yeah. I think. I think if what do you call it? If the Celtics are willing to give up Jalen Brown, I think Celtics have a better offer than Philly. It would be like what Jalen Brown, like a first round pick, and then you know, salary maybe. Yeah. But... It's basically just Jalen Brown. Or Ben Simmons and the Rockets. John John Wall's been playing nice. Uh, Christian Wood is amazing. I feel like Jalen Brown would fit nice there compared to Ben Simmons. Oh man, I don't know. That's really. I, I have no clue. Honestly, what I, would I would just not give up Harden until, like, I get like a really good offer for him. I mean, this is all leverage right now. You're gonna. Play it out, you know. Harden's gonna increase his trade value if he continues to kind of settle in, not do his shenanigans, and you know, put up the numbers he's putting up right now. I mean, they're gonna have the leverage. So, you know, if teams are gonna pull the trigger for Harden, you know, the offers are gonna get better. But for me, I think the front runners right now would be the Celtics and the Sixers, um, because I know how stingy Miami can be, especially with. You know how like, you guys saw the reports, right? How like Duncan Robinson was kind of the the major block in the Heat actually making a move for Harden, and I think that if they keep this up and this Harden thing, you know, kind of plays out even longer than it than it's going to be, um, then I think the offer is going to be even more than just Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. So I think Miami at that point would just be out of the conversation. So for me, I I would assume that the Celtics. And the Sixers are kind of the favorites right now. I don't know which one I would prefer, but 
them two for sure are the favorites. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, I hate I hate the the belief or the myth that Harden cannot play off ball. It's not that because he's such a good shooter that he could obviously play off ball. He's not like Russell Westbrook, right? To where oh, playing off ball would be difficult. It's just that he hasn't played off ball because of the scheme he's in. But like, yeah. I, I yeah yeah, I saw a clip on Instagram. A couple months back, it was just a compilation of James Harden playing off ball, and I was like, "Wait!" I was like, "Wow!" Because you know, obviously, we've watched James Harden evolve to this player that he is today. That you just forget how he, when he first was in Houston, he played off ball, and I was. Yeah, and I'm sure he could still play off ball. Yeah, right I, I believe so too. I was taken. I was taken away by how good he, the, the like how quick his cuts were to the basket, and you know how these you know he could. He can easily just, you know, kind of stay in the corner and just, you know, pull up for a three. And I was just really amazed by it. it was just those cuts specifically. Like, he was faking the defender out, you know, kind of pulling him out from the three-point line and then just kind of quickly cutting back in. I was like, wow, I forget James Harden can play like this. And it's like, these, it feels like a hidden archive at this point of James Harden playing off ball. Yeah, that, I, that's I why I really want the, the Heat to trade for James Harden because I just feel like the combination of Jimmy Bam and James Harden would just fit so perfectly, like on the court. Yeah, off the court, it, there might be issues <laughs> between like Jimmy and Harden, but I feel like on the court it'll be amazing. It'll be amazing. You know, they could take turns too. It's not like Jimmy Butler needs the ball in his hands too. He can play off ball as well. Not not specifically for shooting, but Jimmy Butler is very active. You know, he can make those cuts too. So, um, I I just honestly. The more I think about it, the more I'm really starting to like the idea for Harden because I do I start I'm like starting to think it could work out too, and you know with that whole personality clash, I mean I could see a world where Pat Riley really brings Harden down to earth. I mean you know get him to a reality check, um, because you have, I mean I feel like he kind of had a track record. Dion Waiters, um, some other I can't really think off the top of my head, but. I feel like Pat Riley has proven to be a winner. And, I mean, if that's what Harden wants, then I think Pat Riley will instill that in him to just, you know, focus on winning and all that stuff. So, yeah, I can see a world where that personality and the whole off-court issues that the Heat fans are always... That's, like, their main argument right now of why they don't want Harden because of, like, the whole personality. He's not built for the culture. I could honestly see a world where Pat Riley kind of, you know, gets a guarantee from Harden that he'll buy into the culture because... I think that's the thing too. If they're gonna actually trade for Harden, I think Pat Riley is gonna trade for him, knowing that James Harden is gonna be sold on what the Heat want to do culture wise. So, yeah. Okay, I think that's enough Heat. So, um, <laughs> we I think, somehow went to the whole Harden thing. Yeah. Oh gosh, but for the last disappointment, I feel like we all have the same uh, team for the last one, and I think we should have Shayon talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, are you guys talking about the Warriors? Yeah, they were my last team. Yeah, on my list. I mean, I did have pretty high expectations on them, uh, coming into the season, mainly because, uh, I thought what Kelly Oubre was gonna bring was a lot of intensity, kind of like, even a second scoring option if Wiggins wasn't picking it up, 
but you know, obviously he's not doing that at all. Like, he's shooting four percent from three. Yeah, oh my it's, gosh. it's like absolutely <laughs> trash. And even Wiggins himself, like like he's not off the hook here. He's playing trash too. Like dude had one good game against like the horrible Pistons and you know, like four other bad games. So it's not like he's doing good either. But um, you know, at least the one positive is that Steph Curry has picked it up recently. His past three games have all been really good. So at least I can say that. But man, like overall, they have no consistent offensive game, especially when he goes off the court. Like it's really bad. Like you're relying on Wiggins mainly to score and he's not consistent at all when like he scores in like little spurts. But even then, like it just doesn't happen that often. And um, Wiseman, you know, I was really high on him coming into the season, but recently He's kind of cooled off, mainly because his foul trouble. That's been a really big problem with him. Um, he gets into foul trouble a lot. Like, he's very he's very jumpy. You know, he tries to get blocks because he has such a ridiculous wingspan. And he often gets, like, a lot of unnecessary fouls. And um, so that kind of limits his impact and his playtime. And, you know, when you have someone like Wiseman, who you kind of need at this point for the Warriors, like, to be that consistent starting center that can, like, just, you know, hit some hit some mid-ranges, some threes occasionally, and, like, just roll with Steph Curry to the basket, and he's, like, not in the game consistently, then you're kind of relying on Kevon Looney, who's not bad, but um, he's just not that good either. And it's just pretty depressing to watch, especially defensively. Like, I was watching the Blazers game, and um, the Warriors were down 17 at one point. And they came back and made it within five. But then, again, like, they let CJ and Dame score, like, 13 in a row. Which, you know, that's just unacceptable. Yeah, defensively, I'm looking at it. Their lowest allowed points was 116 to the Pistons. Yeah, it's really, really and bad. I don't like, know if it's the Warriors' defense doing that or if it's just the Pistons' offense being bad to where they could only score 116 against the Warriors. The Pistons don't even because, have a good offense, and 116 is... I don't know, bro. Yeah, because every other game, they gave 123 to the Blazers, 129 to the... or 128 to the Bulls. 138 to the Bucks and 125 to the Nets. Yeah, it's really bad defensively because, you know, like most teams, they do have like a one-two punch like KD, Kyrie, Middleton, Drew, and Giannis. And, um, you know, it's just like they're relying on Oubre, who's a good defender, but then you have Wiggins, who's being put on KD, he's being put on Zach Levine, he's being put on like CJ McCollum, and he's just getting cooked every single time, bro. Like, it's so depressing to watch him play defense. Yeah, yeah. They, they their two wins are the Bulls and the Pistons, and I don't know how they were close games. They were like really are. close games the entire time. Yeah, these those wins should, you know, they should pick those wins up yeah. to kind of build some, but um, I, I have nothing else to say. <laughs> I literally just put. Who else outside of Steph for Golden State? So, yeah. I mean, I'm just looking through real quick. Kelly Oubre has like a plus minus of negative nine right now. 
and then his second lowest is negative four. So I feel like that kind of speaks volume right now to where he's yeah. at right now as a player. And goodness gracious, the fact that he's shooting twenty seven percent from the field, four percent from the three point line, and then sixty percent from the free throw line is yeah. Um, I I'm starting to look stupid because I think I had him second for my most improved player or yeah. third. So I think I feel really stupid. Also, like I need yeah. to like call out Steve Kerr because um. You know, like in the previous years, his scheme has worked very well um, with Steph and Clay. But at this point, you have to realize it's a completely different team. You know, um, Wiggins and Ubre—they're not the shooters that Clay is or Durant is. So you need to like change it up. You need to have Curry be a lot more on-ball oriented, like he was with Mark Jackson, because like he still can do that. He's not—he's not just an off-ball player, like. You need to put him on ball so he can maximize his impact, you know, because he is going to find the open players and stuff. But, like, the fact that you have him constantly running off screens, you just can't do that anymore when Clay is out and you don't have Durant anymore. You need to have your best player. You need to, honestly, you need to force it into, like, a rocket sort of system when you have such little consistent talent on your team you need to like put the ball in Steph's hands and let him go to work yeah for sure I would also like to say Draymond came back and he absolutely Trash. did nothing <laughs> he had zero points <laughs> he had zero points bro but it's okay he's, he's getting back into it after that yeah. he's gonna be that second secondary playmaker and defensive anchor they need Hopefully. Hopefully. We'll see today. We'll see today if the Blazers kill them again. Well, I mean, those are our biggest disappointments. There are, you know, obviously a lot of... I feel like there are... You could argue for some other teams, but these, I feel like, stand out right now. And we'll move on to surprises. So, I feel like we'll kind of... We'll we'll go a little quicker with this one. So, um, I'll start off. My biggest surprise has been Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I have them as... Yeah, for sure. I had them as a six seed, right? But then I did not expect them to start off five and one. And I think this is just a testament to where who Chris Paul is as a player. I mean, this yeah, man nice. elevates any team to another level. You know, we saw with the Sun, we saw with the Thunder, with the Clippers, the Hornets. Is it, is it the Hornets? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm I'm just really liking the Chris Paul Devin Booker backcourt. I'm just so happy that Devin Booker finally has proper help, and this team that that's kind of built around him and Chris Paul. I mean, I just really like it. And I feel like the only thing you could say about them is DeAndre Ayton, but, you know, he had a pretty good game um, the other night. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just really hoping that Phoenix can keep this up because I'm, I'm really happy to see them succeed like this. So, yeah, that's my biggest surprise so far. Bro, but honestly, like, their defense, like, I think we all knew their offense was going to be stellar with CP3, Booker, and Ayton, but their defense mm-hmm. is clamps. Like... Mikael Bridges. <laughs> they have not. Yes, sir. Uh, they have not allowed over like a hundred ten points this year at all. Like it's it's incredible. Like how good they are defensively. And you know, I did say Monty Williams sleeper for coach of the year. Looking like a smart man right now. Yeah, I think you guys pointed out right. Their defense have, has probably been the most surprising part. Uh, Mikael Bridges has picked up Jay Crowder, even though his offensive is 
offensive uh, production is like super inconsistent, he's still going to give you good defense. Yeah. DeAndre Aiden's a decent rim protector. Chris Paul's an elite perim- perimeter defender. And Devin Booker is actually surprisingly pretty, really good at defense. Or not really good, but like I thought he was a below average defender this whole time. But he's probably average or maybe even above average. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that Phoenix team just has some... They're just versatile, I feel like. Mikel Bridges, my goodness. I, I can't rave enough about this guy. Oh, such a good pick. And I feel like Mikel Bridges, such a, he's a very sleeper guy for like a two-way kind of player. So he's such a good defender. And he's, he's scoring a lot. Yeah, He's averaging like 15 points per game. I was very surprised at that. So, I mean, you know, you have Mikel Bridges. You have a Jay Crowder. I mean, he proved it in that Milwaukee series for me that he's a very versatile defender to be able to guard Giannis and whoever was playing the three as well. And, you know, I, I can't think of more off the top of my head, but, you know, they just have, you know, Chris Paul. Chris Paul's a very good defender still as well. So, I mean, they're just a great defensive team. You know, I didn't expect that as well, but, I mean, looking at it now, they have very, you know, athletic, you know, guys that can hold their own on the defensive side. So, you know, all, all the props to the coaching staff and the players there, so. Justin, how about your the next team? I guess we'll go to the other five and one team, the 76ers. Mm, yeah. I feel like even though Shayon did think they were gonna be the three seed, I don't think you predicted this. <laughs> no, I did not. I did not. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. The Sixers have of course, right? I guess you could also say, oh, their schedule has been sort of weak. Yeah. But they've been winning, and Tobias Harris is pl- playing really good. Like the past, the the past few games, he's just been amazing. Yeah, I mean, I had that. That was like the biggest thing for me. Are we starting to see the Clippers Tobias Harris, or even better? So, I mean, if we're gonna see that from Tobias consistently, this team is scary, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, and you have to you have to give it to. Doc Rivers, right, for Tobias Harris's success because we saw that Tobias Harris is, is yeah, he's the best. Tobias Harris is best when he's playing power forward, right? And then last year he couldn't really because there's Al Horford and Embiid. So after that, Doc Rivers has learned like, oh yeah, we need to use him as a power forward. And also, Steph Curry has been Amazing. so nice Amazing. throughout. This whole thing. He's been... He's honestly might be a sleeper for, like, the most improved player. Like, that's how good he's been. He's been... He's been averaging 16 points. He's averaging more points than Ben Simmons, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he is. And on ridiculous efficiency. Like, this is, like, stupid good efficiency. 56% from the field. Like, for Uh, someone, like, who's being put into, like, J.J. Reddick's role... And J.J. Redick was, like, really good there. But, like, he was not the most efficient player. So, like, to see someone like Seth Curry, who's shooting 56% from the field, 52% from three, like, that's... 100% from three. Shooting shooting just runs in their blood. That's crazy. Yeah. Dude, this is the best brother duo I've ever seen in my life. Like, Seth Curry is amazing. Very underrated player. With With what his role is, he does such a good job at it that, you know... A three-point specialist and 
in looking back at that trade, man, it was such a such a good trade for the Sixers. Yeah, that's crazy. But you know, you they got the first round pick too, right? Or did did they not get a pick? I I thought they got a pick or something with Seth Curry. If they did, I that's know. a massive W. That's a big W. But I mean, we didn't even talk about like Embiid or Ben Simmons at all. It's it's these other guys that we kind of looked at outcasts or kind of like oh, you know, especially with Tobias Harris, we looked at him oh, you know, that's such a waste of a contract. He's so overpaid, but I feel like he's he has the right coach right now. He's in the right system. It's working out right now. Yeah. And, I mean, oh, wait, I, also, I got the other way around. The Sixers sent a second round pick to the to the Mavericks. My bad. Okay. All good. All good. But either way, that's still a dub of a trade for yeah. the Sixers. So. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the question is still gonna remain. You know, once we get later on to the season with the Embiid and Simmons fit, I feel like you know, obviously, that's like the biggest yeah, for sure. thing to look out for. So I mean, we're gonna keep an eye on that. But they've just been playing well right now. So. Big surprise for me, and for all of us as well. So, oh, uh, Shion, let's go to the next team. All right, I do have the Cleveland Cavaliers here because they're four and two, sure. and um, wow, I think like Colin Sexton has been underrated for a while, but like this season, it's like a whole new level of his play. Like previously, he was averaging like twenty one points, three rebounds, three assists on like forty seven percent shooting. So it's not just empty stats, bad efficiency, right? Like, that's still really good. But this season, is is even better. 26 points, 55% shooting. And, like, he's showing that he can, like, actually, like, lead, somewhat lead a team. Like, he's showing massive potential right now. And, um, you know, like, a big problem in the past, or, like, what people have said is how uh, Darius Garland and Colin Sexton are going to work, you know, like, two point guards oh wow that's not gonna work but you know they're playing really well off each other especially like Darius Garland he's the more like pass oriented player like he's gonna feed other people and like um get his own too but like Colin Sexton he's straight up like he gets buckets and like he's only had one bad game so far like they're playing amazing right now Mm-hmm. With such now, what was the, what was the duo called again? <laughs> Sexland. We're uh, the greatest duo name, but uh, I mean, you hit the points. It's that that duo right now is setting themselves up for success right now. It's crazy. I feel like um, that qu- those questions have been answered right now. You know, with the fit with Darius Garland and stuff, and. You know, both of them are proving the doubters wrong, and um, you know beyond them, you got to give credit to the role players too. Yeah, the other guys that are you know kind of you know doing the work behind the scenes because those two guys are getting a lot of the praise right now. But um, you know guys like Larry Nance, um, Chetty Osman, he's had, actually he's had pretty bad games, but Chetty <laughs> Osman has had a pretty good start to this the first couple games of the season, and even Kevin Love is out right now too. So like. You know, people forget about Kevin Love, but he had a pretty decent, you know, start to the season before he got injured. And, you know, JaVale McGee, the <laughs> I freaking love the, the way that he's taking jump shots now. It's hilarious. I but, know, bro. Um, it's just everyone on that team is doing, they're just doing it right right now. Yeah. So you got to give a lot of praise to the Cavs. You know, you love these kind of like overperforming teams like 
the um the Nets a couple years ago with D'Lo and uh the other players like just not like on paper not a great team at all but just players that have such like great chemistry and are overperforming like it, mm-hmm. it's just yeah. great to see. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, uh, I think I think you, you, uh, Green, you said basically what I was about to say about how oh there have been many role players that has that has been like playing well for them outside of Con Sexton and uh, Darius Garland. Like even even like. We, we didn't even mention Andre Drummond, who... Oh, dude, beat. I completely forgot he's on that team. Uh, bro. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> oh, my gosh. I feel kind of bad. Oh, my God. He's averaging, like... Oh, he's Monster. almost averaging 15 rebounds. He's just... Again. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like the only knock on him is that I've been looking at my fantasy. He's kind of inefficient for a yeah. center. To sh- I mean, one game he shot, like... It was he shot under fifty percent from the field. Seven for, for twenty one. Oh, oh, he 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 did that many times. He, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, as a yeah. center, I don't think that's kind of acceptable. But you know, whatever. He provides value, I guess. You know, especially defensively. You have Colin Sexton and Darius Garland who are doing the scoring efficiently. So then, I guess it kind of offsets what Andre Drummond does with the ball. But you know, he does. I'm sure you you're going to talk about it, like the rebounding, the the blocks. I guess. Yeah. Then, yeah he's a great defender. Even the defender. steals too. Yeah. He's a great defender. I mean, like. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I can't help but just kind of root for these guys because, like, even though they're in the Easter Conference, you know, I shouldn't be. Like, I just can't help but to kind of, like, I really enjoy just seeing the highlights of Colin Sexton, like, that game winner he hit against the Hawks, you know? Those yeah. those kinds of highlights. You just can't help but just, just, I just enjoy watching those kinds of things, so, yeah. And then, um, I'll go on next to the next team that I have. Um, I have the Knicks. <laughs> yeah. Oh um, my god. So, uh, I have this question: Do we relax on clowning the Knicks this season? Because no. I feel like they're forming an identity now in that in, in that organization. And the first guy I have to give props to is Tom Tom Thibodeau. I mean, he's doing something right, even though they the stats and like the record may not really stand out right now, but just. What the Knicks have gone through this entire decade, I feel like. I feel like Tom <laughs> Thibodeau deserves a lot of praise for what he's doing right now. And, you know, I feel like I was a little questioned. I questioned that move at first because, you know how, like, we talked about it earlier. Like, he doesn't play rookies that often. And then, like, you know, he overplays some guys as well. It's like, wow, we're about to see, like, RJ Bear play, like, 45 minutes a game now and all that stuff. But I feel like he's given those young guys enough opportunities and you know they're dealing with injuries right now so you can't really do anything about it yeah. but um Tom Thibodeau's doing he's doing something right and Julius Randle <laughs> my gosh Dude. my goodness Julius Randle is proving me wrong why couldn't he do this last year oh my goodness I'm really frustrated now because Julius Randle's putting up uh, almost a triple double right now and it's yeah, actually what insane. is this what the, is this the efficiency and the like kind of like the value that it actually has for the Knicks, it's kind of insane. So, you know, gotta give props to him as well. Oh my yeah, I think for the what do you call it for the coaching, I'm I'm actually sort of sort of surprised, but also glad that they actually did start Mitchell Robinson. I thought before that, oh, 
they're going to start Nerlens Noel for no reason. And Mitchell Robinson is, like, not barely going to get any minutes. But I'm actually glad that Mitchell Robinson is actually playing, like, 30-plus minutes. Yeah. And I mean... I agree. They better enjoy this while it lasts. The only time they'll be positive for the next decade. So. <laughs> hey. Watch them become a dynasty now. <laughs> RJ Barrett, Obi saying, Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, all these guys are going to become a dynasty now. I'm just saying, they were the Raptors' only win, so I, I'm still clowning on them for that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just in general, though, like, I, I, I feel like we can relax a little bit on, you know, the Knicks stuff. Like, yo, I don't see the depressed Knicks fans in the comment as much anymore. <laughs> yeah, they got, they got something to kind of root, root for, so, you know. I think, like, even people like Stephen A. Smith are, is, like, saying, like, oh, he likes watching the Knicks now. So, like, this is kind of, I hope, I mean, this is kind of, like, the beginning of a change, a step in the right direction because they're playing gritty basketball. They're winning. So, I mean, yeah. They're actually <laughs> showing signs of potential. There's life in that yeah, organization. Finally. So, you got to give props to them. And, I guess, uh, so, something I want to add is that yeah. Their schedule also has been pretty hard, right? Like, they played the Pacers twice so far. They've played the Sixers, who we've said is, like, one of our surprise teams because they've been great. They've played the Bucks. They played Sexland. They played the Raptors, even though the Raptors are sort of bad. But, like, I'm sure the Raptors could somewhat be good later on. But they have quality wins against, like, especially the Bucks. Bucks, yeah. 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 Big win. God. And then they also won against Sexland and the Pacers. Even though the Pacers don't have TJ Warren, they're still a they're still a solid team to where I would still view as an impressive win. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean that's it for the Knicks, I guess. Uh, I didn't think we would talk about them like <laughs> this, you know, three weeks earlier, but. Uh, let's move on to the last team. Uh, let's have Justin. Justin, who did you have for your last team? All right, I'm not gonna lie. I actually had, I actually still have three teams, and oh, I think the team I want to talk about the most is, I don't know. I think the most surprising one is probably the Magic, in my opinion. Yeah, they're yeah. four and two so far. They start off four and zero, and after they sort of slow down a little bit. But yeah, they they had the bad loss against the against the Thunder. But a lot of the Magic players have been playing. Like I think just the Magic as a whole has been have been playing like really nice. The Marco Fultz has been playing nice. Uh, Vucevic is doing Vucevic things. Yeah, they've just been solid all around. Also, I think it's time time we start like um labeling Vucevic. Or putting him in the conversation for top five centers, right? Like, I think he's proven himself enough to the point where we should be comparing him to Rudy, someone like Rudy Gobert. And, um, you know, obviously I think he's better, but that's probably biased. Like, he should be put in that top five conversation for sure. Especially since, like, you know, Orlando has had such mediocre talent in the past couple of years. And, but he's been that one consistent bright spot for them, leading them to the playoffs. And I just don't know how. I agree, yeah. I feel like Vucevic has been the least talked about all-star in like the past 
decade, I feel like. Him and like Drogic. Drogic as well. Maybe like Kalkover, but you know, like I know Kalkover actually didn't deserve it. Never mind. That's that's yeah. different. But guys like uh Vucevic, I feel like he's has been like the least hyped guy that's actually, you know, like putting up all star numbers I've ever seen. Because like he's doing this year in, year out. He's putting up uh, like twenty and twelve, something like that. Almost like it's been a consistent thing now. And you know, He's the he's like been the main piece of why the Magic become the eight seed, like almost every year. And then you know they win game one every year. It feels like, but uh, yeah, you know I totally agree. I think it's due time for Vucevic to get his respect. He needs to be in that conversation with the guys like Bam, Rudy Gobert. You know, I mean, he definitely deserves it. And it's not like he's just an offensive kind of guy too. I think he can hold his own defensively as well, except when he got demolished by Isaiah Roby just except that one but um like Isaiah Roby's legit yeah he's legit too but that was so funny with that fake Vucevic <laughs> just c- collapsed so I mean um that doesn't really highlight his defensive play as a whole though so I think he definitely deserves his respect and Markel Fultz for MIP I think we start the campaign yeah I think it hurt me trading him away in fantasy. You had to do what you had it to really do. It really did hurt me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but honestly, I there were a lot of teams that I was, you know, really thinking about putting on this list. You know, like the Magic, the Hawks. Actually, not the Hawks, sorry. The Pacers. Like, those teams I was really, like, kind of considering. But I feel like we kind of talked about them last time. You know, about yeah. the, the, uh, our takeaways. So, I just didn't want to add them. But they're, they're totally good picks, too, though. Yeah, my other two picks were the Hawks and the Pelicans because yeah. I did not know this, but the Pelicans are like four and two. Yeah, I yeah. I have got the Pelicans as my last team as well. Yeah. Do you want to do a quick, quick run for the Pelicans? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, the Pelicans. Brandon Ingram. Yeah. Is legit. He's legit. Legit. He's the shining star. I mean. This guy's going to be an all-star for many years to come now. I think that's what he's proven now. Yeah, he's and, legit. Uh, and for me, I feel like the biggest thing is that the pieces are kind of fitting right now. I mean, you can't judge. You can't say this is going to hold up for 72 games. But, um, you know, the guys like Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, we were like, people were questioning, like, what is their place on the team? And, like, especially with Steven Adams, like, oh, how is he going to work with Zion as a front court offensively? But... I feel like, you know, there may be problems still with the spacing and all that stuff. And, you know, Zion may be kind of being, he might get taken away from, you know, operating his true game. But I just think that it's working right now. And, you know, you can't really complain with that. Eric Bledsoe, you know, he had the, the, the clutch shot last game to beat the Raptors. And, you know, I think Steven Adams is still putting up, you know, productive stats right now. So, you know, it's working out. So, I mean... I'm good for the Pelicans. Yeah. Uh, do you want to? Uh, do you want to move on to Player of the Week? Yeah. yeah, and so I mean, that pretty much wraps up for that. Uh, the disappointment and surprises. So we'll just end it off with Players of the Week. Um, you know, anyone can start off with. Let's go with Easter Conference first. I got Jalen Brown. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Come on. <laughs> That's unanimous. Oh, my God. Man, the, first of all, the Celtics were 1-3 this week. 
after that, he's averaged. I think he averaged like, like almost thirty points throughout this week, and he's been he's been uh he's been one of if not the main guy for like why the Celtics have like sort of turned it around a little bit because remember I remember last week right we we're like oh should we worry about the Celtics they're one and two right now and then now they're like four and three so yeah he's one of those he's like that guy. Yeah, also, I, mean, I feel also, like it's only proper for us to mention it here because mm-hmm. not even the NBA social media pages hype like even recognize this guy for what he does, and it's really disrespectful because we talked about it. Like the major media pages do not mention Jalen Brown. Like when he had his career high game, literally, I I feel like I only saw one thing. It's like oh Jalen Jalen Brown forty two points, and then it was like what you guys are hyping up Lamelo's half court assist more than Jalen Brown's. You know, yeah, I I was I was sort of mad because I Jalen Brown had like forty two points in like three quarters exactly, on like yeah, three quarters. But yeah. then we're yeah. just, I'm seeing more videos of just Lamelo with this pass, and I was like, this is like what is what is this? Like this does not reflect what true what we should be talking about in terms of basketball. Like are we talking about one play over a whole game? Like I just don't understand it exactly. And he's doing this and on so such far, efficiency. Yeah, so far, he's been better than Jason Tatum. Yeah, he has. Yes. Yeah, I feel like it was undisputed. So, I mean, we I feel like all of us love Jalen Brown as a player. So, you know, we had to give him credit. So, um, moving on to Western Conference, I feel like it could be a little different here. But, Shayon, how about you? What was, there was actually, pick? like, a lot of players to choose from. Um, you know, like the generic picks like LeBron and stuff because, you know, he's been playing great, especially. But um, I did want to give like give props to the two Rockets players. Like it was split in between for me between Harden and Christian Wood because they're both playing like so good right now. It's like ridiculous. Yeah, like, I had that as well. But I just chose Christian Wood because... um. I feel like it's too generic to go with Harden, and like you know, it's it's just better to kind of give it to the more, like you know, to the guy that hasn't gotten it before. Yeah. And I mean, the stats Christian would put put up this week: twenty one points, ten rebounds, one point three steals, almost three blocks per game. I mean, Christian Wood is just looking like that guy we saw in Detroit towards that second half of the season. I mean, yeah. I'm just I'm I'm very happy for Christian Wood as well. I mean, I wasn't. I didn't really know him as well that much, um, because like it was the Pistons. But like I, I, you know, just kind of heard about it. Like, oh, Christian Wood, you know, has the potential to be a, you know, a dominant, you know, kind of offensive player. And I mean, I wasn't expecting this kind of defensive production from Christian Wood as well. So I mean, you got to give props to Christian Wood, and I just wanted to pick him. Yeah, yeah, I've been hyping up Christian Wood since last year when I picked him up in fantasy. He's been. I, I was. I'm still so confused why the Pistons have didn't resign him. I know. The it makes no. It, it makes no sense. But yeah, he. I'm so surprised by his defense. Though, like I knew that he could stretch the floor. I knew that he was such a good offensive player. But I'm so surprised by his defense, especially uh, yesterday's game. He was. He was clamping up. Yeah. And. For my pick, I actually sort of went more like generic. I went Damian Lillard 
Uh, Portland was two and one this week. He was like him and Gary Trent were the forces that ended up beating LA or the Lakers. And after that, he had like thirty one points. He also had thirty four points against the Warriors, and he he sort of had the I guess sort of bad game where he only he only scored twenty points against the Clippers in a blowout loss. But yeah, I just want to give some respect to Damian Lillard. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, not a bad pick. Also, definitely have to respect Vucevic in the East because of um you know how well the Magic are playing and how well. He's contributing to that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I feel like there's a lot of good picks, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's like these are the players that I would not have expected to be honest. But I'm very pleased to see you know, a lot of unexpected guys performing. So I mean, um, I feel like this there's gonna be you know there's some good games this week as well, and I feel like um, you know. We're gonna kind of really see what the landscape is gonna look like for this upcoming season in these next couple weeks. So, I feel like it's gonna be it's gonna be a pretty fun week of basketball again. So, um, that's gonna kind of wrap things up. So, thank you guys for listening to another episode. Um, please check out uh, and follow all of our social medias: um, Instagram at SwissCentral.mba, and you know. We're gonna post some on TikTok now, so um, please follow our TikTok at switch.central. So, yeah, thank you guys again for listening, and we will catch you in the next episode. Peace. Peace. Peace.